Let's go in-depth on Iowa State with the Des Moines Register. It's time for Cyclone Insider, powered by G-MIG's 5th Street Pub on 1460 KXNO. All right, guys, welcome to this week's installment of the Cyclone Insider program with the Des Moines Register here on 1460 KXNO. Finally, no Tommy Birch. Tommy is being dad, and he uh, he's, he's Bodie. Is the Bodie's little boy? Have you seen Have you seen Bodie yet, Pete? I saw Bodie yesterday. I went up to see Bodie, and I I gave Bodie um, a present. Nice. Um, yeah, yeah. I gave Bodie I gave Bodie probably his first gift card to Target. <laughs> to be honest with you, so Bodie's Bodie should be in good shape there. Um, Bodie was boring. We could spend the whole show talking about boring. Boring is good for a baby. <laughs> Bodie was very boring. <laughs> Bodie was asleep in the hospital. So I and I guess that's a good thing. Yeah, Bodie's cool though. Babies are cool. Uh, it's been media day up here at Iowa State. We're actually recording this from um, Jack Tri Stadium right now, where where it's empty. But the the season is is just around the corner. And and Pete, uh, it's interesting. I I remember even just when I was starting into this business, how important media day was, because you know you could talk to everybody and. You didn't know when you were going to talk to him again and and whatnot. It's not that big of a deal anymore. I mean, we're up here all the time. We This is, I think, the third time we've spoken to Campbell in the last week and a half. Um, they do a really good job of giving us access up here at Iowa State. So it wasn't a very newsy day for a media day. No, and you can actually go back to Dallas. It's the fourth time we've talked to Campbell yeah. in, in three weeks, mm-hmm. whatever whatever it is. The fourth time we've talked to Kyle Camp. The fourth time we've talked to, to um, David Montgomery. The fourth time we've talked to Brian Peavy. So, yeah, but it's not, you know, and, and you're right. We have it pretty good up here at Iowa State in that respect. Um, other schools don't do not do it. Other schools have their media day, and that's it. Yeah. That, I mean, that essentially it, except for their availabilities on, you know, once a week or so. But we get Iowa State football players and coaches almost every night between now and the first practice, you know, once school starts back. So so that's kind of cool. But like you said, it, it's there's no news. There is no news today. Anything that's newsy, we've already had out there. Um, so, but, but what it does is it gives other media outlets. You know, you and I, you know, we're here all the time. Mm-hmm. We're here daily. It gives the other media outlets from throughout the state a chance that, are, that don't get here. It gives them a chance to... Um, to do their thing, um, you know, to ask the questions that we've already asked more than once, probably. And it gives Iowa State a chance, Iowa State Athletics, to, the chance to get its brand all over the state. So so I see both sides of it. But as far as you and I are concerned, no, there's nothing here. Yeah, it, 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 that's a that's a really good way to put it. I mean, you'll see, uh, you know, some of the smaller market TV all over the state and probably even uh, maybe I didn't see any Nebraska stations or anything like that, but I know some Council Bluffs reporters were over here today. So you'll see a bunch of Iowa State stuff all over the place. Um, I, I want to just start off with the, the position group, and, and I know you were up here last night. I was not because it was during the radio show, but Alex Golish, the, the tight ends coach, was available last night. And, you know, Randy, this is the group that really popped for me when we were able to sit and watch practice the other day. A couple things stood out, but the 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 number one. Um, I, I always like to do that first day what I call the eye test, and like who who in pads that I haven't seen for a year pops for me. 
And the number one guy was Chase Allen. Uh, and, and I know you've been really high on Chase for, for a long time, and rightfully so. He was a highly touted recruit. Um, but, man, uh, Campbell told us that he's put on 25 pounds in the offseason. And it, it, don't don't laugh at me here. I, I truly believe what I'm about to say. I think Iowa State has three guys in that tight end room with Allen, Soner, and um, Charlie Kolar. He's a guy a lot of you have never heard of, uh, but he – uh, you know he he's six six two fifty. I think they have three NFL prospects at tight end right now. And we haven't seen anything out of any of these guys. This is all speculation. This is all just me putting my pundit hat on. But I think that might be long term the most talented group on this roster. Well, I don't know about most talented, but I agree, I agree with you. Maybe the NFL stuff. I mean, you've got Chase who's who's a sophomore. You've got Dylan Soner who's who's a who's a sophomore. You've got Charlie Kohler who's a freshman who's a redshirt freshman these guys will be in the program for a while um nobody's obviously good enough to come out after this year these guys will be in the program for a while they're learning what um matt campbell and golish expect out of a tight end i last night i asked golish um what how the tight end position since and this is a very short um, um, sample size, I get it. But over the the three camps that the Iowa State, the Campbell and his staff have had, in what ways have the tight ends changed? And the, Golish was Golish is good. Golish is a very good interview, by the way. Um, Golish said that in year one, they didn't even look like tight ends. He said these guys did not look like tight ends whatsoever. And in year three, they're starting to look like tight ends. They're looking like Big 12 tight ends. And obviously this is a way to get into um, Chase Allen. Yeah, he's up 25 pounds mm-hmm. to, to 252. And, he, and, and knock on wood, he hasn't been hit by a car. Or he hasn't had <laughs> mono or, or, or staph infection or whatever it was that, that Elsie had. Um, yeah, they're looking like tight ends. And they've all got their got their niches on what on what they can do but um it's tough to it's tough to come to a college and say man i'm going to be a tight end Mm -hmm. because these guys were stars in high school they were receivers yeah they were they were doing everything and at iowa state and at at a lot of places at iowa state the first thing they're going to tell you on the recruiting trail is our number one goal on offense is to run the ball and in order to run the ball we're going to have to block and in order to block we're going to have to get get good blocking out of the tight end and you're talking to a guy you're talking to chase allen you're talking to dylan saner you're talking to charlie Mm -hmm. kohler these guys were superstar receivers in high school and now they're going to come to college and learn how to block but yet these guys have bought into it and they earned the right to catch passes and they have earned that right this year yeah and you know the just very basic part of this too is you talk about i i say this all the time i don't care how many stars you have i care about who else was recruiting you and Chase was being recruited by, you know, Florida State, Nebraska, like all Michigan. Yeah, Michigan, like some of the top programs in college football. Um, Dylan Soner was a little bit less recruited. Um, he had some looks from like uh, like the Arkansas, Memphis. Uh, he visited Alabama. He didn't have an offer from Alabama. But Kolar was a guy who could have gone to Oklahoma State. Mike Gundy wanted him. And so the, uh, the greater point is the talent level is up in that room, clearly. 
Now the question is, how does Iowa State choose to use that position this year? And I've I've had some extensive conversations with Matt Campbell, um, specifically when we were down in Dallas a couple of weeks ago, just about the evolution of Iowa State's offense and where he eventually wants to take it. And the tight end position is a key part of that. He wants to be able to line up you know, uh, against a team like an Iowa, against a team like a Kansas State. And the Big 12 is evolving I think. I think you're going to have more um, a defensive oriented league to a point for the Big 12 standard this year. He wants to be able to bring two tight ends if he needs to to create matchups on linebackers and all that stuff. So I think that that's one, to me one of the biggest, most interesting things to ponder is the season is less than a month less than a month away, especially with a group where the offensive line is the big question. I think we could see two tight end sets from Iowa State every once in a while. I don't think it's going to be their base package, but I think they have enough talent there where they can get more multiple offensively. You were talking about the about the two hours of practice that we got to watch last Monday. Um, there were times when tight ends were in motion, which was interesting to me yeah. also. Yeah. Um, so they're going to do as much as, as much as the athleticism of these tight ends will allow. And, and from what they've said over the last you know, two weeks, three weeks that we've talked to them, this is, a, is the most athletic group of, of tight ends that they, that they have. And yeah, they'll play multiple tight ends. They will. Um, if, the tight, if the tight ends are among the best three receivers on the team, because um, you're usually going to see three receivers on the field at yeah. least. Yeah, they're going to. Two of them are going to play. I mean, two of them will be out there. Um, and what, what's neat about this is is that um, Campbell talked a little bit today about about losing how this you know how this team lost those close games early, and now you know how they've they've evolved into into winning those winning those close games, and a lot of that has to do. With, with winning those jump ball situations, with performing in the red zone, with performing, with not settling for a field goal, um, on you know whatever fourth and fourth and two at the at the four, um, occasionally going for it because they've got at least at least two um, jump ball jump ball receivers who can who can go up and get it. You've got Hakeem Butler, obviously. There's a mismatch. The Alan Lazard mismatch that was last year, and take your pick on any of the on any of the tight ends because they um, possess that ability as well. So, so the versatility of these tight ends, and that's what Campbell likes. There were times um, at Toledo where they used three tight ends. Um, so I I don't know whether you'll see that. I don't know, but. Um, the versatility of these tight ends, you're going to see at least two tight ends, and I wouldn't doubt if you see it more often than not. Yeah, it, it will be interesting, especially against some of those more finesse Big 12 defenses that you do see that are built to... And the Big 12, I think the Big 12 is also, I'm, I, 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 everybody's going to prove me wrong on this, but the Big 12 is, okay, three years ago, they were... You know, quarterbacks were throwing every down. I think it's getting closer, well, I totally closer agree. to being to being more traditional. I totally agree with you. And there's running backs are gaining yards, and yeah, and, and yeah I and think it, I think it's not, I think it's getting away from its pass happy. I think one thing that Campbell sees is the fact that a lot of these defenses are built to stop spreads. You know, yeah. and 
if you can bring in a two tight end set with a running back like David Montgomery, if you have a def- decent offensive line, I mean, you can create a mismatch with the defense like that. And I, it's one, I think that's kind of where his, his vision is going. It's Cyclone Insider here uh, with the Des Moines Register on 1460 KX, you know. Randy Peterson with me. Tommy is still on paternity. Do we call it paternity leave? He's on baby leave. He's on baby. <laughs> Tommy will be back. He's on baby P- perhaps Tommy will be back next week. Give me your gut feeling because Campbell discussed this again today. Um, gut feeling on the offensive line. If it was to say it was a four last year, what's it going to be this year? With 10 being the best? Yeah. Well, I would. I wouldn't even give it a four last year. I'd call it a three last year. I would. I would say it's a, it's a five or a six, um, because. And I say that because, the best offensive lineman, last year, Julian Goodjones, Julian Goodjones, um, and prove me wrong. I mean, he was, give me. I, I could be wrong on that one, but I think he was. I, I he think was universally, one. him or Kniffle would have been, yeah. but probably Goodjones. Yeah. Well, and then and then. And then um, Campos too. I can't. I guess yeah. I can't forget of Campos. But pretty good line last year. Um, but anyway, um, I'd say I'd say they're in the six range because of Good Jones. He was the starting center last year. He's moving off the ball this year, and it shows how good the, the Colin Newell is, the redshirt freshman from Ames. He's been so good, and I talked to Good Jones about this. He's, Newell has been so impressive during the spring, um, during the off season, that he's allowed. Julian Good Jones to play other positions, and, and on on Monday, with the number ones, we saw the number ones out there on Monday. He was a starting left tackle. Um, Good Jones was. So that, to me, that's interesting. So if he can move around, if one of your top two offensive linemen is changing positions, that shows that tells me that this offensive line is going to be pretty good. If if they get to a six, then I think Iowa State's going to exceed some. Expectations what, for the second expectations, year. Expectations, what, six and a half wins? Six and a half in Vegas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I think that's preposterous. But, you know, maybe. Um, but I, preposterous in a, in, a, in a way that I think they're winning more than six. Yeah, and, and I mean, Matt touched on it today, and, and you kind of were alluding to this a little bit ago, but the, one of the problems they've had is closing out games being able to run the ball. I mean, if you go back to that, that first Campbell year, I mean, there's so many times where they had a lead, and, you know, on a third and two, an obvious running situation or a third and one, right, they couldn't get a push. They just they couldn't do that. And, and it, you know, having a great running back is, is one thing, which they do, but you've got to have that push up. When you're playing big boy football, you know, it, it starts up front and they just haven't had that. So I think if they can get to a six, I think it's going to be a really good year at Iowa State. And he, I don't know whether you asked the question. I know I didn't, but I don't know who did. About fourth quarter rushing. And, and, and Matt said that that's an area where that has shown improvement and shown how far this football team has come. And I'm going to, as soon as we're done here, I'm going to go research this a little bit. It won't be too tough. But he pointed to the fourth quarter of the bowl game. He said they were able to close out the bowl game with the offense on the field, which Iowa State hasn't been able to do in the, in the, in the past. Um, and I get that. I, I, I think he's alluding to the fact that Iowa State's offense dominated the fourth quarter of a game. And in the past, maybe the Iowa State offense has been too pooped to pop during, the, during that fourth quarter. And they've gotten to the point now where the offense is not a fourth quarter liability, where they can run the ball, continue to run the ball in the fourth quarter with two minutes to go as, um, as well as they did two minutes into the game. 
which which um, that I thought that was interesting. Which that's a testament not only for. David Montgomery or whoever's running the ball, but for the offensive line also, and for the tight ends. Brandy Peterson with me. We haven't um, talked about the defense at all, and I think that's mainly because uh, it's just more sure over on that side of the football. Um, even four days into fall camp, you're, you're not hearing a lot of, um, you know, there's not a lot of controversies or competitions even for that matter that's going on defensively. You look at the linebacker position, I think the one spot up for grabs is, uh, you know, the freshman out of Cedar Rapids, Orion Vance. Uh, it, it sounds like him and Regan Northup are going at it. But, I, you know, I, I think, too, Randy, even at that competition or whatever we're going to call it, you know, Vance is just a much bigger guy. I, I think you play to the matchups there. Nor, Northrop's only 208 pounds. Vance is at 235. Um, you know, I think both of those guys will, will see the field a lot. I mean, one guy who's popped for me, in conversations I've had is DeMonte Ruth, the, the senior. Um, he seems like he had a really good offseason. But other than that, I mean, I think Eisworth's going to win the job at strong safety. Lawrence White's going to be the guy at free safety. I just don't see a lot of um, competitions uh, going on. I think they're pretty shored up defensively. Did I miss anything? I don't think you did. I talked to Eisworth. I just wanted to, to – um, I never talked to him before. I just wanted to, to hear him talk and, yeah. and to get his story a little bit. Um, it's interesting. He was he's, – he's He's signed with Mississippi. He got hurt his freshman year. He redshirted, um, and 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 then after after that, he kind of lost his position and, and on the depth chart. And he transferred. And um, he's got. I think he's got three years left. Um, sophomore, junior, senior. Yeah, he's got three years left here after playing a year at Trinity Valley last year. So, I mean, I, I, he's going to be good. I, I, I really think he's going to be good. And he kind of flew under the radar a little bit when they, when they got him. Um, and he's going to come in and fill a, a safety spot because after losing two safeties, I, I, I keep your eye on him. Keep, yeah. Keep your eye on him. And I would encourage fans, too, to go back and watch that uh, Liberty Bowl. If you're interested in the safeties, and I know it's, it's a talker because they lost a couple of starters, but, the you know, Lawrence White and, and Braxton Lewis and Jeterius Grant all played really well against that high-flying Memphis passing attack. And, um, you know, I'm not – I haven't seen Eisworth play. And White, we've only seen – sparingly but Randy if you go back and watch that game I think it makes fans feel better about the secondary oh I agree because they were Iowa State was in trouble mm-hmm. um, in the at safety um, and and Memphis had a had a wonderful passing attack um, so and they didn't throw the ball the greatest I mean sure it was a windy day in that game and I get that but um, I Memphis's passing attack was was not as good as what I what I thought it, what I thought it should be, and it was because of those those backs. And that, and let's let's give credit to the corners too, PV and Payne. They, the way they played, their ability makes it easier. You know, we talk about how the linebackers on this on this in this program flourish because the defensive linemen are so good and they're sucking up all the blocks. Well, the corners are are, are good, and that helps the safeties be good back there too I think. Alright, that's good for uh, football uh, up here at Iowa State Media Day. Randy Peterson and I uh, with the Des Moines Register Cyclone Insider Program. When we come back, uh, just going to reminisce a little bit. Iowa State had its basketball reunions. It's been a big deal to Steve Prome to get this thing going and he had a heck of a turnout over the weekend. Uh, Randy and I both caught up with some of the all-time greats at Iowa State and we'll tell you about some of those conversations next. Everything you need to know about Iowa State. It's Cyclone Insider with the 
Des Moines Register, powered by G-Mig's Fifth Street Pub on 1460 KXNO. All right, guys, welcome back to Cyclone Insider here with the uh, Des Moines Register on 1460 KXNO. You'll be able to hear Hawks Central with Chad Lystico, Mark Emmert, and Ross Peterson coming up tomorrow night. Tommy Birch is still, uh, he's on baby watch right now. Baby Bodie uh, entered the world over the weekend, so we'll, we'll hopefully get Tommy back on the program next week. Randy, I um, I had a really fun time with the basketball reunion over the weekend. It, uh, I was telling some people, it's not very often you see George Niang and Herkle Ivy just standing yeah. there having a conversation. I mean, just so many generations. I especially enjoy getting to know Tim Floyd. I had never gotten to meet Coach Floyd. I did introduce myself to him in Myrtle Beach last year, and we shook hands. But he was focused on UTEP, and we didn't get to, to talk much. But I had a really fun time interviewing him. He's one of the guys who I've always wanted to interview and and i saw your piece about him and man he just he seemed almost um i don't know he like it, he seemed really happy to be back in ames and he hasn't been much at all really since he left he was he was very happy to be back in ames and i know tim we stay we stay in contact um what, two years ago two and a half years ago when i was going through some stuff with my family he was texting constantly yeah i mean he was texting calling he was he was he's a good guy mm-hmm. he is that we had a good relationship when he was here um, at, at Iowa State, so, and so but I hadn't really seen him a whole lot. We talked last year or last Thanksgiving in um, in Myrtle Beach. We talked a little bit, you know. And he said he said something interesting to me after they they were up eight points and blew blew an eight point lead and yeah. they got beat by somebody I don't remember who it was. I think it was Boise. It, it might have been Boise yeah. State. And we were talking and and you know he and I said he 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 looked really bad after that game. And I said Tim, I said I said you've lost games before, but I don't remember you looking as bad as you do now. And he started laughing at me and he said I'm tired. He said I'm very tired. My blood pressure is all out of whack. My body's all messed up. He said I'm really tired. And he said, "This." He said, "I'm really thinking that this is probably going to be it after this year." Well, you're right, and yeah. he, but he looked better. I thought oh, on Friday God, he looked yes. better than I'd seen him yeah. in years. But I didn't think he was going to quit. Quit a week later. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't think he was going to retire a week yeah. later. And we talked about that on whatever night that was last Friday. We talked about that a little bit. Um, yeah, and he's living twenty. He and Beverly, his wife, are living twenty miles away from Nashville, just in a in a in a place just kind of by themselves. He's got no friends. He's, he loves to play golf, but he doesn't have anybody to play golf with because he doesn't know anybody, and he loves it. Um, <laughs> and he loves it there. Um, he's just hanging out and being a pest to his wife and and Shannon and his daughter, who married Hunter Hillenmeyer, a former Chicago Bear. Um, they've got three. They've got three kids. They live in Nashville, so Tim and Beverly can see the grandkids every day if they want it. He's loving life. He, he really is. So yeah, it's it, cool. And he, you're right, he does look a heck of a lot better than he did when we saw yeah, him in November. Totally looked like a different... Looked, he looked 10 years younger than the guy uh, we saw in Myrtle Beach. Fun talking to him. Um, and it's... It is neat, too. I, I thought... It, it never really hit me, but Prome is so into this and, like, bringing this um, basketball reunion to, to Iowa State. And he, you know, prior to... Fi- like, five years ago, Steve, did he ever even stepped into the state of Iowa? I don't know. I find it interesting and almost inspiring that a guy from Kentucky is so involved in, you know, bringing the, all these guys back together. You know, and that's neat. He remembers his roots. Yeah. He, I mean, he remembers the roots of Iowa State, mm-hmm. um, just like Matt Campbell, guy from Ohio coming in, and he's he remembers he's honoring the roots of Iowa State because um, and, and, and that's cool. Um, um, 
yeah, I mean, Prom was look at walking around the room. Just you know, when we were in there interviewing, I don't know, eight or nine players, whatever there were in that room, he was just looking around, walking around, and the smile on his face. Prom was almost awestruck by some of those. Guys. Yeah, no, exactly, yeah. absolutely, and he he knew Tim Floyd a little bit, but but yeah, I mean, I saw him pick his braid. The cool thing, I asked I asked Prom this. I said, okay, are your freshmen gonna you know are they gonna benefit from this thing? You know, because those that the four freshmen fresh the four freshmen. Um, you know, maybe the best recruiting class in Iowa State basketball history. Are they going to be able to benefit from this? And he said that Tinsley and those guys, that um, that Taylor Horton Tucker, for example, was picking Tinsley's brain on stuff. And and he wow. he wanted know. he wanted the freshmen to be around these guys as much as possible. Um, you know, just, and they 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 see Monte every Monte's been here every day this summer almost. They've seen him, but but. Jamal Tinsley, who's who's, you know, one of the greatest point guards Iowa State ever had. Um, I wish he'd have been here four years just to see, you know, how much better he would have been. But anyway, um, he's spectacular, and for for. Taylor Horton Tucker to be able to pick his brain, and I talked to Tensley a little bit about that, that he said the kid just listened. He just absolutely was, you know, like you and I do to each other when we're talking. He was totally focused on, on, on what he was saying, and he was asking good questions, and I thought that was cool. Yeah, the, it, it, and Tinsley was um, – that was super interesting when he came in. He got really emotional. Yeah. Like, he um, you know, he was looking around at the Pete Taylor wall. We were in the Pete Taylor media room, and uh, he um, – you know, I don't think that Jamal had spoken. I don't think he talked about Iowa State in a matter of a decade, probably. And to be there, he started talking about like his college visit with his mom, and he got choked up. And yeah, it was like, um, and, then, and then the look on Prom's face when Tinsley came in. Prom was like, because Prom grew up. You know, Prom, that's one of the guys who Prom knew of Iowa State basketball was that Pfizer and Tinsley thing and that he was um that was a touchy moment I don't know if you were there in the scrum when when Jamal got all choked up but it was pretty cool yeah yeah and he was yeah I was and he was talking about one point he he looked around and he's you know they saw a bunch of cameras and tape recorders in his face and he said he said something about um it wasn't that's not the way it was back when he was at Iowa State he said it was just me and you and he pointed at me (laughs) and I said yeah that's that's pretty much it but uh yeah, those those were those were wonderful days, um, um, and he, I'd tried to reach out to him off and on over the over the the past years, and, and to no avail. I don't know, um, you know, he didn't leave Iowa State in any. In, there was no big huff. He left Iowa State or anything like that. Maybe he was busy. I don't know, but but he left on good standings and in good standing, and and even if he didn't, Prom's going to invite you back anyway. But, yeah. but Jamal Jamal was a good guy. My favorite line from the whole thing was Melvin Edgem. He's one of my all time favorites just because he to watch him evolve from when he was a freshman to the being the big 12 player of the year his senior year and he goes to us well i'm not broke anymore that's what he said to the to the media scrum when he was in there and he 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 was a neat guy to talk to and then another great story is just deontay burton i mean from what he you know fought through in his personal life and he you know i'm not sure uh, a lot of coaches would have kept him around at, at the time that Steve Prohm kind of embraced him. And now, I mean, Bloom Bloom's kind of my NBA guy. Bloom thinks he's got a good shot to really play a lot for the Thunder this year. Well, he certainly he certainly was impressive overseas. And, and, and yeah, you're, you're right about Prohm. Prohm, if, if Deontay does get to 
does play in the NBA and does make it in the NBA, he's got, you know, he's got to give Steve Prom a big thank you because Prom did hang with him mm-hmm. after after um, Deontay's first year here when when he was more flamboyant and he kind of did what he wanted and he pouted a little bit and his. Um, basketball is so much body language because you're so close. The people, everybody in the stand sees you. Yeah. I mean, it's not like you can hide behind a football helmet or anything. They see you. And yeah, he had bad body language, kind of like kind of like Cam had last year, mm-hmm. which I assume Cam will be, you know, won't have this year. I mean, I, from everything I hear, he's doing well. But but Burton had bad body language, and they had a talk. And and Steve said, okay, you can wear your funky socks, those funky things you wore. And kind of help, kind of, I kind of prefer if you tone down the shoes, you know, maybe occasionally wear shoes that match um, and that aren't so flashy. But, but you can do your thing, but do it within the framework of the offense. And, and that whole, whatever that was, junior year to senior year, it, yeah. was, more than, than, it was more than Deontay getting feedback from the NBA, um, you know, about, because about, he, he, he tested the waters. It was more than, than getting feedback from the NBA. It was Steve Prohm, and, and, and people um, need to remember that. Yeah, uh, just a cool deal. I look forward to that every year now as well. All right, Pete, uh, thank you for your time. Next week, well, well, we'll be just that much closer to the season. Hopefully, Birch will be back. Um, thanks for your time, man. All right, cool. All right. All right, thanks, Chris. Randy Peterson, uh, I'm Chris Williams. Signing off, we've got the uh, Cardinals and the Miami Marlins coming up next here on 1460 KXNL.